Deacon Frank and I were discussing, I think it was yesterday, that this is the only liturgy all year where the church in the Missal and the general instructions uh, tells the priest on what he should preach on. It says that the homilist should shed light on the mysteries that are commemorated at this liturgy. That is the institution of the Eucharist, the institution of the priesthood, and the commandment of the Lord concerning charity. So I figured since it's my first year as a pastor, I better follow what the book says so as to not get in trouble. So the power of the lamb, a gift, and just watch. So first, the power of the lamb. Our first reading we hear from every year on Holy Thursday because you really can't go without it to understand the power of the lamb. We hear from the book of Exodus chapter 12, and it's the Passover event, describing God giving instructions on how to celebrate the Passover. And at this point, God has called Pharaoh to let the Israelites go. The Israelites who have been enslaved for 430 years, God telling Pharaoh to let them go. But Pharaoh has not done that yet. Even after plague after plague after plague unleashed upon the Egyptians and upon Pharaoh, Pharaoh wouldn't do it. So what we hear today in chapter 12 is one final blow. And so in verse 12, we heard God saying, I will go through Egypt, striking down every firstborn in the land, human being and beast alike, and executing judgment on all the gods of Egypt. We don't hear it in our reading here, but a few verses later in verse 23, we hear that it's this, we hear that it's called the destroyer. And I always remember back to that Charleston Helson's fil film, The Ten Commandments at this point, it was that, that green eerie look, little fog that started off by the moon that came down on the streets and it would make its way through the streets there in Egypt. And all you'd hear, and I remember as a little kid hearing it and being scared of the, the, the screeching and the wailing and seeing on the streets of people falling down on the streets. And then in verse 13, the following verse, seeing the blood of the lamb, I will pass over you. Thereby, when I strike the land of Egypt, no destructive blow will come upon you. So God is speaking to the Israelites saying, I'm about to unleash this unstoppable force, the destroyer, and it's gonna come down and wreak havoc on the most powerful military force that the world has ever seen up until this point, Egypt. And it's gonna go, this destroyer is gonna go through Egypt and it's gonna have its way and there's nothing that's gonna be able to stop it except for one thing, the only thing the only thing that will protect you is a lamb. It's like, wait, what, a lamb? A lamb is the only thing that's gonna protect us from the destroyer that's gonna come through the, the, the streets of Egypt? Yes, the only way God says that you're going to face the destroyer is to kill a lamb, eat the lamb, and take the blood of the lamb and place it around the, the doorposts. And then death will pass over you, hence the word Passover. The slayed lamb that night was a substitute, substitutory sacrifice. As one author put it, every house in Egypt that night either had a dead son or a dead lamb. Or said another way, every firstborn would look at the table that night, look at the table and say, I'm alive because that thing on the table isn't. It's the power of the lamb. 
And we see the power of the Lamb further a couple of verses later. Again, we don't hear it in our, the selection that was chosen for Mass, but in verse 22, God says then to the Israelites, after you put the blood on your door, not one of you should go out to your house until the morning. The key is that God is saying this now to the Israelites. And so what's being said is the destroyer is not only going to come for the Egyptians, it's also is going to come for the Israelites. The Israelites are probably like, wait, what? We're God's chosen ones. We're keeping the commands. We worship the one true God. They're the oppressors. They worship the false gods. Why would we not be okay? Why would we not be safe from the destroyer? But what God is saying here and communicating is that if you, to the Israelites, if you were to go out on your own, being an Israelite would not be enough to help you. Even being morally and ethical, following all the Ten Commandments, you're still gonna die. None of that would help you. You would be as lost and as powerless as all the Egyptians if you were to go out on your own. He's saying, even though that I'm delivering you tonight, as, in, as important and as needed as this deliverance tonight is, you're still gonna need another deliverer. You have a bigger problem than, than just slavery against and under Pharaoh. You have a bigger problem. The bigger problem is sin. And so he's saying that you're gonna need another deliverer. This time, not a deliverer from Pharaoh, but a, from a deliverer from sin. He's saying, you're gonna need another lamb. And so hence we get our second reading today. The old Passover from our first reading of Exodus prefigures and commemorates, is, is what we commemorate here in the new Passover, the institution of the Eucharist. And we hear in our second reading of Paul's first letter to the Corinthians in chapter 11, we have the last supper where Jesus on the night that he was betrayed on this night, they got together in the upper room with the apostles to celebrate the Passover meal, as all good Jews did, and as they continue to do to this day, to celebrate the Passover every year. And they have the bread, they have the wine. There's mention of the bread, there's mention of the wine, but there's no mention of the lamb. You can't have a Passover meal without the lamb. It's the blood of the lamb that saves. So where's the lamb? Where's the lamb of which we just read here in 1 Corinthians chapter 11? On the night of the Last Supper, instead of the lamb, Jesus gives himself, his body, his blood. And when Jesus offers his body and blood, the whole story of the lamb throughout the entire salvation history, all of the Old Testament, everything makes sense. The story of the lamb, everything comes to life. We remember back in Genesis chapter 22, when God asked um, Abram to test him to offer and sacrifice his son. And you remember when, when Abram and, and Isaac are, are climbing up Mount Moriah and Isaac there is a little boy, he's carrying the wood for the fire. He's got the knife. And he says, he says in verse seven, he says, dad, I've got the wood. I've got the fire. I've got the knife, but where's the lamb, dad? Where's the lamb? And Abram turns to his son, Isaac, and says, God will provide a lamb, my son. Hoping that one day God would provide a, pro provide a lamb. That that day he wouldn't have to sacrifice his son, of which he didn't, and God stopped him. But the lamb yet was still yet provided, was not yet provided. 
So on this night, all of the full meaning of the Passover, on the Passover we read in Exodus chapter 12, it only makes sense because of, of what Jesus did at the Last Supper. See, when the destroyer came in Exodus chapter 12 in the Passover, it's not the sacrifice of a silly little, silly little lamb that saved the Israelites that night. It's that God would later provide a lamb. He would later provide a lamb, his son, as a sacrifice. He would send his son. Which brings us lastly to salvation history of John. Remember in John, the Gospel of John, John the Baptist is there and he's out there with his apostles and he makes that bizarre statement when he sees this man walking by Jesus and he says, behold the Lamb of God. That's the one. He's the one. He's the one the firstborns didn't, he's the one why the firstborns didn't have to die thousands of years ago. He's the lamb. It's by his blood that's ultimately gonna deliver us. He's the lamb that's gonna be sacrificed. And all the other sacrifices now throughout the Old Testament that would not atone for sin, as many as the bulls and oxes that would be sacrificed at the altar, none of it would cut it. But he's the one. His blood will be the one that finally atones for sins and reconciles us to the Father. That's the power of the Lamb. Which brings us to a gift. Someone wrote me a couple days and toward the, toward the end of the letter, it asked a question to me. It says, Father Mark, do you realize how amazing it is that the Lord chose you to be his priest? And I've been sitting with that the last couple of days since reading that, that letter. And as I've been sitting with that question and praying with that, I've been convicted that the answer to that question is no. That I don't realize how amazing it is that I've been called to be his priest. And the Lord then soon brought me to a mass that's celebrated on Monday, always in our diocese, at least called the Chrism Mass, where a number of things take place, one of which we just possess those oils of which Bishop Hicks blessed. But another thing that happens is, is, is the priests give their renewal of their promises. And every time, every year, different parts of that liturgy strike me. And this year, something different struck me and was the preface of that mass. And the preface of that mass was this, or parts of the preface, Bishop Hicks prayed, they, they being priests, praying to God the Father, saying they are to renew in his name the sacrifice of human redemption, to set before your children the Paschal banquet. That's, that's the role of the priests. That's my role as your priests, is to, is to renew in his name the sacrifice of human redemption. It's to place before his children, you, the Paschal banquet, the lamb that was to be slain, that gave his blood for the atonement of sins, that's my role as a priest, primarily, is to renew that sacrifice every day on this altar. It's a gift to be called to do that. A gift that I oftentimes take for granted, a gift that I oftentimes don't realize, and what a gift it is that God chose me to do that. And in that preface, it goes on to say, they, the priests, is to lead your people in charity. And as Bishop Hicks prayed that on, on Monday, I was just like, ooh. I'm supposed to lead them in charity. How often I fall short in doing that. 
how crusty I can get at times. Whether it's the people, whether it's to you or to people in the office or to my family. But in my weakness, the priest, of course, who's ordained a priest, his humanity stays. All of my humanity and all my weakness remains as a priest. But he uses it and he chose me. And what a gift that is. To nourish them with word and strengthen them with sacraments. Knowing that you need strength as you navigate this world in whatever vocation that you're in, you need strength to help you navigate his power in both word and sacraments. And what a gift it is for me as your priest to preach the word, to fill and pump your hearts with faith and hope and love through his words at this ambo, week after week. And to, and to feed you with sacraments, food in which you need to be nourished and to be sustained as you navigate these times in this world. What a gift it is, what an amazing gift it is to be called to do that. And then lastly, the close out that preface says, and as they, they, the priests, give up their lives for you and for the salvation of their brothers and sisters, they strive to be conformed to the image of Christ himself and to offer you a constant witness of faith and love. A priest, above all, is called to a life of service, to give his life, to give his life up for you. So as I often do on Holy Thursday, I ask you to, play, to, to pray for priests, to pray for me as I lead. As I lead, hopefully, please God, from a spot of charity that I'm faithful in laying out the Paschal and the re renewing and representing the Calvary here on this altar. And as we've been talking about getting on track, here it is in the preface again to be that the priest concentrate above all else to be to having his life conformed more and more to the person of Christ. Pray for me that that, that, is, that is priority number one. Nights like tonight, the realities of, of what this liturgy brings out and commemorating the Eucharist and the priesthood and everything that we just, just discussed. On nights tonight, I'm filled with gratitude on the gift of the priesthood and being called and realizing how amazing it is that he chose me. The Lord knows he could have chosen a lot of other smarter people, a lot holier people, people who are more compassionate, but he chose me. And I'm grateful for the gift. And I'm more specifically grateful that he chose me to be your priest, to serve you. Which brings me just to watch. For this third mystery that we commemorate tonight, our Lord's, our Lord's calling concerning charity, a call of service towards our brothers and sisters, of ultimately what it is is stooping low, really low, becoming weak. And please God that it helps me as I'm doing this and as you as you watch to realize that God stooped lower than any of us could ever imagine by calling us his friends, by taking on flesh, by going to the cross, by being the sacrificial lamb 
who shed his blood to atone our sins. And I can't think of a better way to shed light on this mystery than as a priest and as a sacramental sign of Jesus Christ to let the washing of the feet speak for itself. So just watch.